Burlesque Stripped Down, episode number 27. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. This is, once again, Velvet Eau Claire, your guide through all of those secrets, saucy, sexy, not-so-sexy, not-so-saucy secrets, all of them, of us, the ladies and gents behind the tassels. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so glad that you decided to press play today. We had a couple weeks of radio silence as I was working on some other projects and other work, but I am very happy to have you with us because I do have an amazing interview that I've been teasing for weeks on end, and that is with the amazing Diva Hollywood. She is the founder of our infamous Facebook group, Big Sister, Big Brother. I say are because it feels like our community. It feels very much like a community that we all contribute to, and it's become an amazing resource for a lot of artists um, around the world. So I have been teasing my interview with her, and it truly is an amazing interview. We talk about a lot of good stuff. She's a, she's absolutely wonderful to chat with. You'll hear a bit about her journey, as well as a really, really interesting project that she has coming up um, very soon. And you may or may not get a new recipe to try out of the deal, too, and a new hashtag. So that'll be your call to action. If you listen through to the very end, you will hear us talk and give you uh, some instructions on something that you need to do and a hashtag to tag those photos with as well so we can kind of see what else is going out there. So let me tell you just a little bit about Miss Diva Hollywood. She is the UK's top whip teaser and she is full of sin, sauce, and seduction. She's performed all over the world headlining in the top cabaret and burlesque clubs in New York, Milan, Geneva, and Paris. With her sassy repartee, comedic double whip trips, cheeky attitude, wild audience interaction, and love of dark satire, Diva Hollywood has become the go-to name for whip smart entertainment, and she is truly a force to be reckoned with. As you will hear, she has a lot of different things going on. She has a very interesting journey as far as how she came into burlesque and is just really widening her her skill set and doing some just really fantastic things out there in the world. So without further ado, let's go ahead. I'll be back right after this interview to give you some a couple quick reminders. Um, but let's go ahead and get into my interview with the fabulous Miss Diva Hollywood. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I have Diva Hollywood here. I'm so excited because we have been trying to make this work for months now, and it's amazing. I'm so excited to finally talk to her. Um, welcome, Diva. How you doing? I'm very well, Velvet, and it is really, really lovely to actually finally get to talk to you as well. Yay, it's so good. Um, because, of course, you know, we've known each other. If, for anyone listening, you've heard me and many of my guests mention the um, big, big sister brother community, the burlesque big sister brother community on Facebook. That's typically one of everybody's favorite um, resources that they mention at the end of the podcast. And this is the, the the wonderful human being that, you know, created it for us, right? Yeah. Well, it was one of those things that I was, I was actually driving to the Bristol Burlesque Festival, uh, which is a, probably about a four hour drive for me. I spend, as you know, traveling a lot. I drive a lot doing this burlesque thing. And I just, it came into my head and I just thought, wouldn't it be lovely if, you know, more established performers could help uh, younger performers? And that's kind of where I came up with the idea. And I started doing it on a one-to-one -one basis just with a few students just to see if it would work. And then I wasn't, I wasn't actually going to continue it. I was going to just have it 
as you know people do it for themselves you know give the idea out into the world and then I got lots of messages for people saying oh we don't feel confident enough to approach established performers please 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 will you set this up so it was really just an experiment to see if the Facebook group would work and mm -hmm. we're now nearly up to two and a half thousand members and the thing about it is that's great is that everybody's not everybody but a lot of people are active those are active members they are active members and I get people backstage coming up to me and just thanking me so much so many times just saying you know how much they've used the group how much they've uh, how much it's helped them, how, how they've actually started to meet other people within the community, both big sisters and brothers and other newer performers that they would never have known about if we hadn't had the group. And yeah, people get very passionate about it and they're very protective about it as well. Mm -hmm. um, so if anybody tries to cause any fuss or drama, because that's one thing that uh, one of our rules, they get told off. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're like, we don't really feel that that represents the group. So I like that. I like that everybody's sort of taking it on board themselves uh, to protect it and to look after it, and that they also enjoy the fact that there is no drama on there. That it really is for the community to help the community. It's a safe space. People talk about a lot of things that they would never ever talk about or be able to talk about online, um, and th that I like. Absolutely. I've noticed that as well. It, it goes far beyond. I mean, sure. To be sure, there are a lot of questions about rhinestoning. Yes. yes. <laughs> and all of that and the crafty bits and all of that. But there, you know, I've been surprised in a wonderful way about how many questions, you know, yeah, that, like you said, that are really, you know, personal and and the support that people receive. And I, I, it's just it's just an amazing resource. I'm, I'm really in love. It's one of the few I'm in. A, I'm in a lot of groups. <laughs> Um, but it's one of the few that I have, you know, up at my favorite section and that I go to almost on a daily basis. Aww. So well, that's what a lot of people have said to me that that, you know, that they've, they've kind of stopped hanging out in other groups. They've stopped hanging out on Facebook and they just they hang out on the sister group. And, mm -hmm. you know, they've been able to talk about mental health. They've been able to talk about performing with a disability, performing during pregnancy, costumes. You know, some people will say, I've got an idea. I, can somebody please chat to me because I don't want to make sure it's some, not somebody else's idea. It's just mm -hmm. every time you, you log on, it, it really surprises me. Because when I first started, you know, I would put questions up, I would put posts up. And now it's a healthy community and I don't have to pose things. People, yes. every day there's something new going on. I think one of the ones that stuck out to me the most, I remember seeing... Um, someone and I I wouldn't mention names even if I could remember but someone was posting that they just were in a they were having a rough day they were in the midst of you know maybe some sort of crisis or something like that yeah. does anybody have time to talk yeah and just that simple yeah and and there were you know six seven eight ten I don't even remember how many people that were like yes I'm here right now call me or if they were in the area you know let's get lunch let's get coffee I mean just that kind of you know it almost brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it you know just to have that kind of support when you don't have a friend around outside you know well what I just because there's so many people that you know they are in you know they are in quite remote places or even sometimes mm -hmm. cities you can feel quite alone and that's for sure even in cities we find ourselves quite isolated sometimes and if you are having a bad day there's times when you can't actually talk to friends or family and sometimes it's lovely to be able to just talk to strangers or 
new friends online mm-hmm. and that I have found really wonderful and people will message me and go oh is it okay to post this or that and they will check with me and they won't just mm-hmm. put things up if they feel that it's not right and most of the time it absolutely is okay we're just trying to stop advertising really because it was choking up the posts and even though people want to know about shows that are happening or workshops are happening we felt that there were other places yes on the internet mm-hmm. that they could they could do, use that for um, mm-hmm. but hopefully before we started talking i said we have a secret project that is going to be coming out when we're back from our holiday we've been working on it since yes. last year uh we're actually hopefully by the time this comes out this will be happening but we are we've created a, a website called Birdie, which okay. is for the whole community, not just for burlesque, but for variety and circus, and for anybody that wants to use it. And it will be a place where you can have your own name. We won't uh, be schooling it like Facebook. <laughs> uh, there'll be places for advertisement. There'll be places for shops. There'll be places for groups. There'll be places for interviews. There will be. You know, it will be a community website, so wow. it will mean that we can still have the sister group within Birdie, and it will still be a closed group, and it will still be private, and we'll still have everything that we have on Facebook. But if you, we can divide things up so that we can have a place for people to talk about costumes. We can have a section where people can talk about uh, new skills, or you know. So we'll see how it grows. We're keeping it. My partner Steve, who also helps out with uh, the sister group, he he has built it, and and we've learned so much from doing the group of what we feel is needed. But we're keeping the initial launch; it will be smaller, just so that we can see how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, it, it can't have large videos and photographs, and you know, it's going to be quite rough and ready to start off with, but. It will be for the community, so we're hoping. Fingers crossed, it works. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's fantastic to hear. I, you know, it sounds like kind of like a social network meets like forums yes. kind of a thing, like a place to hang out. That's really cool. I think that is something you know that's needed, especially you know you alluded to this, but the way Facebook you know is policing a lot of you know people in our industry yes. and performers and things like that, and so to have a place. Because I know when I was, you know, when I've been trying to do research for this podcast and for my business, you know, I, I've looked over and I know, um, was it the Ministry of Burlesque? Yes. And there's been a few, um, is that the one that had the forums? It has it, the forums. It had. That was, that was there when I uh, originally started. James and mm-hmm. Kitty started that. Mm-hmm. And they were lovely. And it was amazing resource. Yeah. and But I know a lot of those have just kind of, you know, they're just not as popular as they used to be. No. A lot of sites and, and forums like that. So it would be great to have kind of a one-stop shop, <laughs> you know. Well, this is what we thought. And, and this is kind of where the sister project came, you know, the idea for the project came was originally because I thought, well, we don't have a directory. We don't have mm. a worldwide directory of performers. And this is why I have the directory on my website, you know, so that people could list who they are and where they are Mm -hmm. and hopefully within birdie you you know if you wanted uh, a blonde champagne glass performer Mm -hmm. you'll be able to type that in and you'll find how many blonde champagne glass performers there are out there or you know sword swallowers or you know fire breathers or fan dancers that those you know you'll be able to promoters will be able to search and find or 
people who are running parties or, you know, anybody really, if they want to have their own sword swallower for the day, they can come <laughs> on to the onto Birdie and they can find out about it and uh, or find them and, and sort of be able to contact them through Birdie. So that's also going to be part of it. It's really fantastic. You know, I know I've been talking with some of my other guests about the way, of course, the way our industry is evolving. And it's just so fascinating to see. I mean, because, you know, the 90s were all about kind of that resurgence and just the performing and all of that. But I, what I'm loving right now is this place where we're in, especially with technology and the internet, and to see how these things are interacting and the types of things we can do. I mean, certainly performing is like you know, kind of the, I mean, that's the reason we all do this, right? Is just to be on that stage. Yeah. But I'm really loving seeing some of these projects either being talked about or launched or things like that, that will kind of integrate and support and and enhance the industry. Definitely. We're so lucky, you know, we're mm -hmm. so, so lucky where we are right now with the way, you know, I'm able to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know, exactly. 10 years ago, we would never have been able to do this. We would never have met. We would never have known about each other. Uh, uh -huh. You know, we might have had to do this by letter. <laughs> <laughs> Carrier pigeon. Carrier pigeon, you know, smoke signals. It's, yeah. it's moved on so much. And I love technology. I've always been a futurist, uh, mm -hmm. I think. I, you know, I have a postgrad in electronic imaging. Before oh, really? I got ill with MS, um, I actually was, that's what I did. I, I created huge digital art projects in schools and museums and colleges, and I created my own digital uh, collage work and prints and wow. videos and animations and that's where I was uh, before I started doing burlesque and I actually worked with trigger programs and interaction programs and film and sound within performance so I've always been a massive fan of technology and what it can do and how it can help and also god how it can hinder Jesus yesterday yeah. just trying to upload something onto YouTube <laughs> And then get it back so off true. my computer and onto my iPad and onto Instagram. It was like, <laughs> for anybody listening who heard our inter my interview with Ava Valentina a couple weeks ago, um, that was a hot mess trying to record that. And just I think we ended up with maybe six or seven different different recording pieces because the internet just kept cutting out and we couldn't get this and then my Skype stopped working and it was just it was just such a mess and editing that was a load of fun too trying to get it all together but I, huh? I call it yak shaving because yak <laughs> because it's like it's just as frustrating if you start at one end of a yak by the time you've shaved it, it got to the other end you've got to start shaving again and it's like it's a, it's a never ending battle yeah it's never, uh, sometimes technology is a never ending battle it's true <laughs> Well, good. Well, I mean, I'm loving hearing about this. I'm so excited to find out more um, as you as you do launch. You said it's Birdie, right? Birdie. Birdie, as you do launch that and, and as it grows, I'm sure it's going to be something that we're all, if anybody is listening to this in the future, I'm sure you've probably already heard of it because it's going to take off and be amazing. Um, I'd love to know, I mean, maybe that's it, but do you have anything else going on in your life right now that you're super really excited about? Or is it, are you just kind of focused on that? Uh I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't multi-potentialite is what we like to call easy. us. Uh, I think. Oh goodness. Well, I'm really excited about Birdie, and but I'm also really excited. I've I've just finished a stand-up comedy course, uh, so I'm kind of trying to this year push myself and branch out as a performer. So I've got a I got a singing lesson from the amazing Kiki Deville, who's just a phenomenal, phenomenal performer, and she's yes. given me faith that I can actually sing. And I've done this comedy course, and it's given me so much more confidence on stage. 
And yeah. the part I find difficult about it was actually creating writing and performing in front of the small workshop group. But the mm. actual, once I got that and got my material, the actual performance part of it, I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm working all these things together because I want to create a one woman show. Fabulous. That's great. So I'm going up to next week, uh, to do a workshop with, uh, an amazing performer, Peta Lily, who runs a dark clown workshop. Ooh. So I think it's going to be a really intense, immersive two days. Uh, I've heard so many, so many good things about this woman. So I'm very, very excited about working with her. And I can't wait to kind of process what comes out of it um, mm-hmm. because I've wanted, I like I've said, I, I got MS 10 years ago and I'm, I kind of, when I got sick, instead of hiding, I started stripping. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it, co- it coincided really, really well. And uh, uh, yeah, so I decided I really wanted to create a show that talks about my ethos of life, which is to live life like you have four and a half years because if you live life like you've got one day, you'll probably get arrested. But if you live <laughs> truth, <laughs> but if you live life like you've got four and a half years, then there's space for napping because napping is really important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I just want to create something that is positive and talking about disability in a positive way and and being creative and trying to spread that positivity and that you know you don't have to have a natural disaster or something crazy happening in your life that you can actually change your life it there is ways out of how you feel right now and and that's what I want to put into the show so it's still quite an embryo of a project so I'm hoping to work with Peta Lily to to have time this year that is that's going to grow so that's my that's my excitement that's my little burning fire at the moment that's amazing. I can't wait. Again, same with Birdie. I can't wait to kind of see, follow your journey through that and oh. see where that goes. <laughs> and speaking of journeys, let's kind of, let's, I'd love to back up a little bit and go, we've talked about what's happening right now and what you're hoping for the future. Yeah. Let's go back. I mean, you mentioned, you know, being diagnosed and how that kind of got you started, but was there a moment or what was your journey as far as finding your way into burlesque and performance? Well, I, I kind of, I'd always known about it. I used to love the Gypsy Rose V film when I was a kid. I just mm-hmm. fell in love with the costumes and her elegance and the fact that she was geeky and quirky <laughs> and that she wasn't a natural showgirl. So Gypsy's always been a huge icon for me because I'm quirky and not a natural <laughs> showgirl and I'm a complete tomboy, really. So I, I always felt like that was something I'd love to do. But then as I grew older, I gained weight and I didn't feel like, oh, I couldn't possibly do something like that. And I started to meet people who were doing burlesque and I was oh I'm not sure if this is for me and then it was one of those really weird coincidences a friend of mine started to date this very lovely circus performer and he was creating a show uh, that also had a small film section in it and in this section his girlfriend runs off to New York she's fed up with being the per circus performer and she runs off to New York to become a burlesque performer so the girl that was supposed to play his girlfriend decided she didn't want to do it. So my friend Nick phoned me up and he phoned me and t- to another girl and I, she didn't pick up the phone. I picked up the phone. He asked me if I would do it. I happened to be free that week and I got picked up, taken to a store. We bought a costume. We got to the rehearsal space. We created an act 
and I just fell in love with it and I thought this is amazing and I was actually going to New York that year later on in that year to do a digital art workshop with Troika Ranch mm-hmm. who are an interactive dance company in New York or they were in New York at that point and I thought I wonder if I can make life imitate art so I contacted a few friends and they said oh you've got to check out the slipper room so I dragged all these digital artists to the slipper room and <laughs> Scotty the blue bunny was hosting that night and he sat on one of my friends knees and completely embarrassed this poor geek he just <laughs> I've never seen anybody turn so red in my life um, a Juliet was muse was performing dirty was oh, performing wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just blown away by these men and women. I just thought, these guys are incredible. So I blazingly said to James, who runs the Zipper Room, I was oh, I'm a burlesque performer from England. Can I perform at your show? And he's like, oh, well, we've got a spot coming up in two and a half weeks if you're free. <laughs> really welcome to come. I'd never actually performed live, so I was completely flagging. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the digital workshop and then at night I ran around shopping, got all my bits and pieces, rehearsed in my tiny New York hotel room and I did it. I, that was the first time I ever performed was on this slipper room stage. Wow. Hardly took anything off. I was <laughs> you know, really didn't know what I was doing. They were very, very sweet. And I later in years, I did tell James that what I did, and he just laughed. He said, well, we like your cheek, Diva, so we don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was the first time I ever really performed was there. And I was hooked. I absolutely loved it. So Mm. I had to continue after that. I was like, I I can't stop this. Yeah, it's a runaway train now. It's gone. (laughs) Yeah, and I was 35, you know. It's like most people I know are quitting, and they're not even in their 30s. And I started when I was 35. And I was disabled. It's <laughs> amazing. It's interesting to hear. And this is one of my favorite questions to ask because I love hearing about people's journeys. You know, some people had a, you know, kind of a slow burn with burlesque, like a love affair. And some people fell in love immediately. Some people have been dancing their whole lives. Some people started, you know, when they were older and, and didn't do any dancing. You know, I, I just I just really love I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is one of my favorite things about burlesque is there's the variety and the amount of the stories that we can tell and, and our, our journeys and our paths. Ugh, oh, I just completely. And that's what makes it so good is because you meet mm-hmm. people who are from so many different backgrounds mm-hmm. and aren't necessarily traditional dancers. Like there are some amazing yes. traditional dancers out there, but sure. there's lots of people who are plumbers or electricians. But yeah, I, I absolutely love it. That's part of what I enjoy about it is meeting different and uh, new people backstage and hearing their stories. Because I always say, I think it was Juliet was Muse said to me when I first started, I talked to her and I asked her how it was best to progress. And she said to me, be yourself. You know, mm-hmm. you there's so many different things out there that you can do. But if you actually create an act that is inspired by yourself and by your energies and by your experiences, nobody else can make that act. And that is what will get you booked. And I've always kept that close to my heart, that statement. And I, that's what I've always passed on to new performers. And it's the thing I say to every single one of them is be yourself. Do not look at Dita Von Tees and say, Absolutely. I want to be Dita Von Tees. I want to be that. Or... Dirty Martini or Lulu Deville. Be inspired by these women, of course, but you're not yes. you're not those people. Be yourself. And if you're that, then you know, you will rock this and people will want to book you and you will have work all the time. 
Absolutely. And I think that's what draws a lot of us to burlesque in the first place is that we see it as this outlet where we can be ourselves or we can bring our own because many of the other many other performance medium media are a little bit more restrictive. Yes. You know, there's rules for this. This is what you do. This is what counts as jazz. This doesn't count as jazz. You know, this is um, you know, you follow these lines. If you're a performer, even improv, there are rules to yes. it. And burlesque, there are no fucking rules. Yeah. You do whatever you want. And that's what, you know, when I first started this podcast, I did a what is burlesque thing. And I was like, well, I can tell you what burlesque is, but it's really whatever you want. You get on stage and do something fun. And, you know? Yeah, and I think if you if you keep that in mind, then you are going to create something fun and you're going to create something yeah. unique. And I think it's good. And that's what people want to see as well. You know, that's like you said, that's what's going to get bookings. Yes. People don't want to see the same tired old, I mean, the you know, the Dita Von Tees and her, you know, her champagne glass or martini glass, whichever one she's doing, is amazing. Mm. But we don't want to see that every time. No, I, def I think as performers, we definitely don't because I think mm. we get weirder and weirder in our heads and we forget <laughs> that there's still people out there that haven't seen burlesque. And That's true. That That's a good point. They need to see that or they want to see that because they've never experienced that and that's great but I think as performers we're like no 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 no, push the boundaries do something different have something creative like I did a show recently where it was the funny girl show so everybody in there was a comedic act and it was great you know just mm -hmm. actually be among so many funny women who were doing every single one of them was completely different but they were all the crowd were great and they loved it because everybody was laughing the whole night but there was no martini glass. But there was one girl, Bobby Dazzler, it was her show, and she stripped on a treadmill. That's hilarious. And it's really, really funny. Her choice of music is really funny. And at one point, she, you know, her partner held a fishing, a, a, a completely sparkly fishing rod with a can of beer hanging from the, to get her to run faster towards the beer. <laughs> Genius. So she's on heels on a treadmill on a electronic yeah. treadmill. So I love it. I've never seen somebody strip on a treadmill before. So I, I absolutely adored it. But you do make a good point. I mean, it's this balance because you're right. You're absolutely right that I think a lot of us forget that there are, you know, there are these classic acts, and sometimes that's what people want to see when they come to burlesque shows. So it's finding that kind of that balance between, you know, pushing the envelope and doing always new things, and also, you know, paying respect and showing the people kind of what they want to see, but yes. putting a new a new spin on it. Well, I I think it's like it's taking something classic and beautiful, like. Uh, Vicky Butterfly and her Isis wings that she has mm -hmm. now that are, are lit Isis mm -hmm. wings. You know, there's lights the whole way through. Mm -hmm. So she's taken a very old art form uh, and created something new and very futuristic and very, very beautiful with it. So it's, it's, it's that thing of taking something, uh, taking old rules and breaking them and making something interesting with them. And it can be done in a classic way or a funny way or a gore way. And that's the great thing about burlesque. We do have such choices. And sometimes people just, it's the simplest thing that they'll do. And you're just like, oh, my God, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> How true. did I never think of that? But I can't. Stripping on a treadmill. I don't know why that didn't come into my Oh, wait, because I don't go on treadmills because I don't exercise. That's I know. <laughs> she is going to be so fit by the end of the year because that, yeah, that right. act is going to get booked. That's got to build those glutes, man. Completely. <laughs> That's amazing. So speaking of these kind of you know, classic acts and, you know, taking inspiration and all that, who inspires you? 
whether it's a performer or in your everyday life, who is your inspiration, Diva? Um, I think always it comes down to Julie Atlas Muse. She was one of my first ever performers that I saw. And I just, I love that lady. I'm really lucky to call her a friend now as well. Oh my goodness, going back to simple, she can take such a simple idea and make it so unique. And she's just beautiful to watch on stage and really funny and really, really entertaining and <laughs> unique. It's just so unique what she does and her energy is great and she's she's just a really special person and I think that comes out through her act. So she's always been, and I, I don't even think she classes herself really as a burlesque performer. She's a performance artist mm-hmm. and I think she is absolutely wonderful. I love somebody like uh, Marnie Scarlett uh, who is came from fetish modeling to begin with and her costumes mm-hmm. and her way of looking at things are really unique. I, I love her for the sort of alternative burlesque. Um, and I, you know, I've seen Dita perform and I think for classic, she's just, you know, you can watch her and if she turns around and I know she can't see you, but you know, <laughs> you feel like she's caught your eye and you're just like, <gasps> <laughs> and she just knocks you for six because she's like, Poof! she's sending this amazing power bolt of energy out into the crowd. It's so refreshing to see somebody who can do something. It may not necessarily be what you want, but it's it's so good. And, and mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it's anybody that really loves what they do and really knocks the ball out of the park for me is uh, they become my heroes. So have you had any major, you know, fangirl moments that you just were kind of geeking out over? <laughs> and when you met someone, you just felt, you know, like you were a 13 year old girl again? <laughs> The the worst one was actually it had nothing to do with burlesque. It was actually do you know that Frankie goes to Hollywood Bam? Yes, yes. Holly Johnson. <laughs> I was in love with Holly Johnson when I was a kid, and I wouldn't hear of it that he was gay. Yeah, um, no, 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 no. I, I really wanted to marry Holly Johnson, and as an artist, I he is a he's a really good painter, and. Uh, I got to meet him and he is probably the person that I went most fangirl over ever because I turned into 13 year old me and I couldn't speak, I couldn't raise my head, I couldn't look him in the eye for any length of time. I was so embarrassing because I was exhibiting upstairs and he was exhibiting downstairs and at the end of the shows he had a big champagne party and he was really generous, he gave us all his alcohol because he was sponsored and so we all got drunk at his show. And at the end of the show, I actually admitted to him that I had wanted to marry him when I was 13. And he was so sweet about it. And he was like, oh, Diva, you never know. You never know. And I was <laughs> oh, like, that's so cute. <laughs> and I was like, Holly, do you know what? I do. I, I know now. It's okay. I kind Thank of know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't have to pander to me. I know. Yeah, okay. so I'm not 13 now, but I may be acting a little bit like I'm still 13 but I'm not it's okay but thank you so he treated me so nicely and I love that when you meet somebody that is uh is your idol and that they have time to spend that time with you and that they don't brush you off and I've always tried to do that with people that I've met that uh you know I've inspired them and I make sure to spend time with them and talk to them and uh there's only been occasionally you know when you're packing up at the end of the show and you've got fake blood drying into your hair and <laughs> you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're sweaty and covered in glitter and you just, 
you're just trying to get finished up because they're trying to, you know, you know the venue is closing and people go, oh, I just wanted to photograph. And you're like, really? Now? (laughs) But I'll still try. I'll still try to kind of like look the part in the photograph or take the photograph with them. But that's not always successful. I think it's so important as, um, you know, for celebrities or even mini celebrities or, you know, kind of whatever level it is, is to really, you know, make those connections with people. I mean, like we've talked about before and before we started recording, I mean, that's the whole point of life, right, is to make these connections with people, no matter how famous you are, or how, you know, disheveled you may be after a show to make those connections. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, doesn't matter who you are, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. But I think it I think you're right. I think it's that thing of um, you can inspire people. And if you're, you know, if you if you can just give time of day to somebody and listen to what they say, you know, you will inspire them to then go off and do better things and, and create something in the world that is better. And they'll then hopefully go off and inspire somebody else. So it's like a connection, isn't it? Really? It's like you give to someone and then they give to somebody else. And then Absolutely. And you never know what something small does. You know, it's so cliched, but it's so true. I was just listening to a podcast episode from Michael Hyatt, um, who does kind of uh, inspirational, I guess, or productivity type things, business type stuff. And he was talking, and I can't for the life of me remember who it was that he met, but he was telling a story about when he met someone fairly famous and... um, and when he walked into the room, he had a couple minutes uh, with with this gentleman, whoever it was. And the guy like went, you know, set down his thing, walked over to Michael Hyatt and said, hi, my name is so and so. What's your name? You know, oh, and no. Michael Hyatt said he's like, well, yeah, duh, I know what your name is. <laughs> it was that it was that connection moment that just like brought the the other gentleman, whatever his name was, down to earth yes. and made it we're two people connecting. I am not a celebrity connecting with the lowly ones. We are two people yeah. connecting. But that's it. I think and is people who are super relaxed and confident in what they do and they don't need to take other people down. That's exactly. not part of who they are. And they, you know, they're just getting on and they're doing their job and they're successful. And most of the, I'm really um, lucky that I can say, I can list off, you know, so many performers who, um, our icons within our industry and every single one of them that I've met have just been really really lovely and given time and I can call some of them friends you know I've met them more than once and hung out with them and they're such lovely people and they're really decent people and I think they're chilled out about what they do and they don't need to have drama or cause trouble or be mean they you know they're just getting on and it's like somebody said yesterday, I was talking to a performer yesterday, she goes, well, why do it? If you're going to be grumpy and angry, just go and do something right. else. <laughs> yeah, clearly you're not happy doing this. So, all right. So let's talk about you as a performer. When you're kind of in this act creation process, and I know right now you're working on in the early stages of this one woman show. So whether it's that or whether it's something, you know, just a classical burlesque number, where do you kind of find that inspiration? And d- does it follow a typical method? when you have that to go from inspiration to final act? Um, I think it's really changed over, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now and it's really, really changed for me. Uh, Originally, I think it would have been a song or a piece of costume or just having a crazy ideas. I think we all come to the game with with an idea or two, but I think for me, it's definitely now developed into a story. Like, I haven't actually made a burlesque act for four years now because I'm moving more on to creating comedy, stand-up, and my, my, all my whip acts are becoming 
talking acts as well. Mm. And I'm trying to make stuff that is as cheeky and funny and provocative as a strip, but that I keep my clothes on. Mm. I think I'm, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> where that comes because <laughs> my new one my pirate one I'm a cross it's inspired by Anne Bonny who was a cross-dressing pirate she was um, a pirate who pretended to be a, a chap so that she could get and be on the ships with all the men mm-hmm. and uh, that's sort of where my character comes from except that he it looks more like um, Johnny Depp and Adamant is my costume inspiration. <laughs> I have a huge yellow wig. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I said before, I think if you play to your strengths and play to who you are, that's always the best. And when I've tried, when I've broken that rule and tried to make something that I've thought, well, this will get corporate bookings or Christmas bookings or, you know, that, that maybe it'd be good to have a more classic with it. It's never worked for me. If I break mm-hmm. my own rule, it doesn't work. So it's always, mm-hmm. I think if I have a burning desire in my heart, um, like one of my most successful acts was called Evolution of Woman, uh, which came from a conversation with a, a French friend of mine. And we were discussing hair in humor and how in France hair is considered incredibly funny and <laughs> hairy women is all right. And it's but it's still funny. Whereas in England, uh, Britain, uh, hair, a hairy woman is not funny. So uh-huh. in the Evolution of Woman, um, I think it was maybe two and a half years in and I really wanted to create something that wasn't I didn't have gloves I wasn't wearing a corset so this is the starting point was the hair so I have these huge hairy legs in this act I come in and I've got a tiger on my head and you can't see me for the first part and it's got the music from a space odyssey and you just see a pair of glittery shoes on the stage and they're red shoes because of that thing you know the red shoes and the magic and the fairies I love fairy stories Mm-hmm. Um, and I find the shoe and I start to beat the shoe like the monkeys do at the beginning of a space odyssey. And then I rise up and I pull the tiger head off. And it's the evolution of, of cavewoman to showgirl. And I slowly strip off and I end up with a feather headdress and a sparkly bikini and I'm wearing the shoes. But I pull off. At one point, I, I sit on the chair and I rip the, the hairy legs off my legs and I, I start to bump and grind and then I, oh, what's going on? Uh-oh. And then I pull out a, a, a big, huge merkin. <laughs> from. <laughs> and so I think I like to tell stories and I like, I love fairy stories and I love mythology. And uh, so lots of those things are, are things that inspire me uh, to create new pieces. And I love making people laugh. I really love mm-hmm. making people laugh. So once you have one of kind of these ideas or, or you, you know, you want to tell this story, do you kind of spend a day in the studio going through it? Are your, are your acts typically very choreographed or do you leave room for interpretation? I always start off with a notebook because I'm not a traditionally t- a ch- a dancer. I would start off, I'll write things down and then I'll take it into the studio and I, I will write the act and then I'll try it and then I'll write it again. And I like to go to the studio, film it. So that's my creative space where mm-hmm. I could think, okay, I can have pink elephants, I can have men in gold leotards, I can have <laughs> fireworks, I can have, you know, a 20-foot headdress. Mm-hmm. I'll have all these silly ideas in that space and then I'll film it and then I'll take it back and then I have a critique space, say like in my kitchen, and I'll watch the video and then I'll take more notes there and that's my, no, I don't need that, that doesn't work, that's right that's my critique space and so that's my be more sensible 
Hmm. I love that. I love the idea of having different, you know, actual physical spaces to do these different things. It kind of changes your mindset a little bit, I imagine. It really works. It means that you know that you have one space where you can be ridiculous and silly and just let your mind be open to as many ideas because you can have so many. I'm prone to have too many ideas for an act and I have to normally pare it down. So if you have too many it's great and especially if you keep a notebook because you can write them down and it may not have worked for that act but you might be able to use it in another one an idea is never bad it's just not necessarily right for that act and possibly can be used or you can give it to somebody else and they can use it that's some great advice i really like that you know kind of keeping that notebook and then also using those different physical spaces Mm. and also train journeys I love train journeys for ah. uh, when you're not in a constant space, when you're not in your room or uh, I don't know when it's, it's, it's sort of magical. You're traveling so and you're free. You're not driving. You're not concentrating. And some of my best ideas came on trains. I'll keep, but I always keep my notebook handy, mm-hmm. you know, now with having an iPad, I'll keep notes handy so I can write something down or I'll email myself messages, go, oh, I've just had this idea, da, 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 da. Being able to keep a notebook or something handy so that ideas will come eventually uh, or come to you and that you've got something to write it down or phone yourself up or... Yeah, and, and to keep open to that too. I know that's something that I struggle with myself is because I tend to distract myself with like Candy Crush or something, you know, like, and that just, and, and it's bad for me. It's one of those bad habits I have, you know, I don't have too many horrible habits, but that is one of them is I know my head knows how important it is to just kind of stay open yes. and have that notebook and be ready to, you know, especially after you have an intense conversation, yes. you know, like you were mentioning, because your brain is still processing it and you need to be open to those. And, you know, for me, I, I, I tend to kind of shut it down and start, you know, playing stupid games on my phone. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I am a world-class procrastinator, so I completely <laughs> understand that. You feel me. <laughs> and I've also had art art blocks, you know. I've had times where things have not come and I've not been able to create. And then that makes you sort of down and, and you start to doubt that you'll ever come up with a good idea again. I read a book many, many years ago that I recommend to so many people, and I can't remember the author's name offhand, but it's called The Artist's Way. It's a phenomenal book for any kind of performance. She's also written one for screenwriters because she was a screenwriter. And it's just, it's such a good book because one of the exercises that she gets you to do, it's called Your Artist Papers, and you get a notebook and you pop it under the bed, and then first thing in the morning, you pretty much just pull it out from under the bed, get a pen. I used to do it with one eye open and you write four pages of just whatever comes into your head and then you shut the book and you put it back under the bed and you don't read it and you don't let anybody else read it and it clears out all the crap that you carry around about worrying about weight or have you got the shopping or you know did you know what color should I paint the spare room or all these stupid things that are stopping the creative process by I think by the fifth or sixth week I had to then have another notebook that I started to write my ideas down because I was like but I want to keep this idea I think this idea is really good so I was doing sort of both I was having the getting rid of book and then I was also having the ideas book so I would recommend it to anybody especially if you're a creative person and you're having a little bit of a block to just get rid of we we carry around so much stuff in the modern world you can't help but you know you'll sit down and you'll read Facebook and you'll find out that somebody's been in a car accident or something's happened mm-hmm. to somebody and and we we get all these other people's emotions and troubles and 
different things and and that can stop us being productive as well it's so true it kind of snowballs the more we have i mean you find and especially at the immediacy yes. of the social media you find things out right away yeah so. for everybody listening i will as always um you know i'll put uh, a link for the artist way and everything else that we mentioned is going to be in the show notes page uh for this episode which is at burlesque strip down.com slash diva d-i-v-a <laughs> so you'll be able to find that there um i'm probably gonna i'm gonna pick up a copy of that book too i'm always at, at any point i'm reading about three different books and i've just finished one so i'll add that into my rotation (laughs) excellent thank you for the recommendation well my friend what he does when he writes his on organic paper and then he shreds it and then he takes it down to the local pet store for the hamsters so they can poop on his bad thoughts (laughs) i love that that's a great way to look at it (laughs) so it's symbolically he's getting rid of his crap out of his head and then the hamsters can poop on it again so it really is not required you don't need this stuff Get it out. Yes, yes. Because we tend to, I mean, we tend to want to keep every idea, you know, and there's a lot of people that, that, you know, tell us, I mean, and it is true that there's no such thing as a, as a bad idea and, and that we should write everything down. But at the same time, like you said, there's so much crap we have, you know, in our heads and so much, uh, just not ideas, but just stuff. And also you some know? ideas are not good for you. You know, I had a day in the studio on Tuesday where I started to listen to Etta Jones and Julie London and just, you know, some of the big band classic burlesque numbers. And I was practicing whip and I was practicing lasso, so completely nothing to do with traditional burlesque. But I started to use that music to create moves that uh, maybe a sports whip cracker or a, or a traditional cowboy style performer wouldn't necessarily do with a lasso or do with a whip. And it was I was just laughing my head off the whole way through. Um, but a track came on, um, it's called Someday I Wish I Had a Gun, which years ago I, I, I downloaded and I was thinking I'd love to use it, but it's not right for me and I don't think I ever will use it, but there's another performer who I'm going to send it to as a link because I just mm. think she's doing lots of gun twirling at the moment and I just think it would be so good for her. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And this ties into what we were talking about earlier was creating this kind of community and it's about helping each other and bringing each other up instead of, you know, keeping everything for yourself just in case you want to use it someday. Yeah. No, just share, share the love. Yeah. I'm, I'm hippie at heart. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I'm, I'm in the wrong, in the wrong era. I should have been a hippie. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I think the people, they think because I'm called Diva Hollywood, I think they think I'm going to be a right cow most of the time <laughs> well diva you know yeah <laughs> but, you know but I was reared by it's fun to play with <laughs> well I was reared by drag queens in Liverpool and I was quite shy when I met all these amazing women they believed that I was too shy and they gave me the name because they wanted me to be strong and they wanted mm. me to stand out and they wanted me to you know they taught me how to wear wigs and put makeup on and come out clubbing and be crazy with them I think of it as a powerful name and, you know, Diva's not ill. Diva has all the energy. Diva has all the imagination. And so if I need to slip into that mode, then I can. Mm-hmm. So I slip into her when I need her and then, I, mm-hmm. then I'm just me and I'm in joggy bottoms and pajamas and chilled out. <laughs> or really scruffy. <laughs> Yeah, that brings up, I mean, we. Uh, this is actually a topic that's come up multiple times um, with Ruby Jones and then with, you know, several other people that I've interviewed about, you know, the idea of like personas and characters and how, especially in burlesque and other performance, you know, drag and things when we have these names, yeah. you know, and how does your name relate to the real you and how does, you know, and it's, it's interesting to hear people's stories because everybody's a little bit different. There's not like one standard for that. 
Well, I think for me, like, Diva is definitely part of me and always was. But like I say, I was always a tomboy who loved to run around and be in trousers and carry on with my dog. But I would still have silk scarves that I was flapping around <laughs> and, you know, I'd get into my mom's makeup and all this sort of thing. So I think she's my, my glamour puss that I can kind of put on like a nice coat. And, I love it. Uh, she's there for me when I need her. And if I'm having a horrible day, she'll pick me up and give me a kick in the ass and, outside <laughs> and make sure I do stuff when I don't. Now, of course, on the show all the time, I always like to talk about kind of like the reality, the down and dirty of um, the burlesque performance, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the ugly stuff. Um, you know, we've heard lots of stories about things like costume malfunctions, bad, you know, dressing rooms, bad performances, offstage stuff, audience members, all that kind of stuff. Have you had a particular moment in your journey where it was just a really low point for you where it just something was horrible, whether it was internal or external, and you found yourself really almost second-guessing yourself or not sure of yourself? Definitely. There was a club that I worked for in Geneva. Like You would do two shows a night. That became quite difficult just because of the clientele were very rich and very mm. arrogant. You know, you're performing and they're eating these expensive meals and they're not necessarily watching any of the performers or mm. they felt that the performers were part of not only the entertainment but... You know, we had to be protected quite a few times by people that worked there because the guys thought that, oh, we were part, we were dessert, if you know what I mean. Ah, yeah. um, And I find that really uncomfortable. And there was a few other issues that I had. I came back from that and I just was like, oh, God, why am I doing this? It was, it became a chore and it was not creative and it wasn't pleasant. And yes, I was making a lot of money, but it wasn't, it didn't make me happy. And it really took me down as a performer. And I was, yeah, I questioned myself and I was like, I don't think I can do this. And I find, like, I, I'm really lucky that most of the corporate stuff I've ever done has been absolutely wonderful. And I think that was the only time that I really, I was really in a situation that made me feel uncomfortable and made me feel unsafe. And I didn't feel like the promoters had my back or any of the other performers back. And there was just lots of things happened that um, performers were really hurt and taken for granted. Yeah, it, it wasn't healthy. And I'm glad that I was able to step away from it and get out of it. And that's one thing I've been debating whether to bring up in the group you know that you know we we talk about bullying and digital bullying and performers bullying each other which does happen in some cases but that we don't talk about promoter bullying and that mm. is actually something that does happen so yeah I've debated whether to bring that up on the group or not because it could cause controversy and like I say I don't try and bring controversy to the group but it is something that we've all had Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, on one hand, you want to avoid controversy too much, but maybe it is a discussion that needs to be had, whether it's on the group or not. Mm. I don't know. But you know, it is something that people need to know that. And that's one reason I'd like to ask this question, even though, even though it kind of brings the interview down a little <laughs> bit. But I think people need to know that they're not alone in going through these things. When you have a bad experience like that, yes. you know, you need to know that it's not just you, it does happen. Yes. And I think that's, you know, like, there's been lots of things on the group that people have been able to talk about, that suddenly people realize that they are aren't alone and that has been really good so maybe it will be something that I will bring up and talk about because something that has on and off affected me through my career and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. And I think I mean in my opinion the only way that kind of thing is going to change is if performers feel confident enough to be able to stand up when that kind of a thing happens you know yeah. I mean we do need to correct it from the promoter side as well and they need to know that they're 
you know, it's not good what you're doing, <laughs> you know, but it, it's also that, you know, perform us as performers, we need to feel that we are uh, confident enough, we are right enough to be able to stand up for ourselves as well. I think you're right. And I think you're right about the fact of saying, you know, you're not alone, that this isn't, you, you're not the only person this has happened to somebody mm-hmm. or some, you know, with an organization. I think that is something that I'm going to I'm going to bring up and, and that just to let people know that they have a back. They have a group that will give them support if they need to. And like we're really lucky that we have equity and they've fought and battled for me in the past. Like they eventually there was a situation with this Geneva group that equity sadly was not able to help. They tried, but they couldn't help mm-hmm. out. But at least I knew that they were there for me. We're, we're so, so lucky to have that. And I know so many cases of different friends who've been ripped off or had situations that they've been able to go to equity with and say, oh, look, this promoter is just, they're not being safe. They're not being healthy to performers. They're not paying. They're breaking mm-hmm. tracks. So, you know, we're so, so lucky in the UK to have that. So let's flip this over a little bit. We had kind of that downer moment, but <laughs> important, downer, but important, you know, um, how about a best moment? Has there been a moment like one that sticks out to you as just like you were on uh, just such a high? Gosh. I know. I'm sure there's been many. That's usually like, that's the blessing of the wonderful thing about being in, in burlesque in this, this, uh, this industry. Do I only have one? <laughs> well, give us one for, as an example. Oh, uh, I think one of my favorite moments was I got to perform three years ago at the Helsinki Burlesque Festival and that whole weekend was just magical because Betty Blackheart and her partner Frank they love 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 burlesque and everybody is hand-picked for you can't apply for the festival you get picked mm-hmm. um, so it's just the most magical two days they pick you up from the airport they give you a goodie bag they take you to the hotel they run workshops uh you're at the theater for a very long time for the two days because they they run tech through the whole show they have a banquet of food backstage for everybody to eat and they make sure that you're comfortable and happy and i just remember watching this amazing performer he was on i said you know the german wheel thing you know the no it's like a huge big wheel that a performer can kind of be inside almost like a hamster wheel thing and they oh yeah okay i didn't know what it was called yeah on one of those and there's a guy who's he looked like an amish farmer beard but he's wearing a cocktail dress and high heel shoes and i'm terrible i can't remember his name but he was amazing and this is he was wearing this cocktail dress and high heel shoes with his beard, no makeup, with this wheel. And me and Tigger are just curled up at this little gap that you could watch the side of the stage. And that's one of my favorite moments because we're just grinning at each other like Cheshire cats going, this this is the first act. And oh my God, this show is going to be so amazing because we knew that we were part of something really, really special. So that is one of my happiest moments because it was just like, oh my goodness, this is going to be an amazing two days. And it was, it was incredible. I love that. It's something so special when you know how special it is when you're in it. Yeah. And to actually, mm. because it was two days, you got to do it all again, slightly yeah. differently with the same amazing people again on the same amazing stage. And the promoters are also performers. So they know exactly what it's like from both sides and they treat mm. you really well. They, they understand how a production should be put together and how they could have such a great variety and mix of performers. And I think that's wonderful. You know, there was classic, there was Neo, there was gore, there was magic, there was a bit of everything. Mm. Betty Blackheart, I highly recommend you check that lady out. She's 
just stunning has huge heart and loves 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 this community well we'll add that i'll add that in i'll have to check her out yeah. a little bit too so speaking of kind of being backstage and and getting you know doing these shows what is one thing that you always have in your burlesque backstage kit black pepper and sugar brown sugar because okay. coffee because <laughs> coffee always tastes better with proper brown sugar and okay late night food can be much improved with black pepper you are a girl after my own heart. <laughs> the fact that your initial thought is to go right for the food. <laughs> I love hey, that. How can we make this food better? <laughs> well, you know yourself, you're racing around and you, no matter it's how true. much you try, you don't necessarily always remember to eat. And That's very true. You know, I think you guys are so much, you know, you've got diners that are so good. Um, That's true. But in, uh-huh. in Britain, I'm afraid that late night food is awful. Um, so, but it is much improved by black pepper. So, and I always had some pepper in there. I love it. I do try and make like now I am because with doing bullwhip, I have to have something to eat because otherwise I will just collapse on stage and I won't have the strength Mm -hmm. to do it. So I do, if I'm, if I'm very organized, I do actually have, there's a two recipe, uh, two ingredient cookie, which is, uh, you know, when your bananas go a little bit black, Mm -hmm. um, you mash up two bananas and a cup of porridge oats and mix that ingredients together. And sometimes you can throw in cashew nuts if you want to add in a couple of other ingredients or raisins or anything mm. fancy, really. And then you just make them into like little cookie shapes on a greaseproof paper, put them in the oven for gas mark six for 20 minutes. And they're just like little power bombs of cookies. They're kind of oh, that's- squidgy and they're full of energy and they're not fatty because it's just banana and, and oats. That's a really great idea. I love that. I'm going to try making that because I, I tend to, you know, especially in the mornings or if I'm working or, or at shows at night. Yeah, I'm, I tend to, when I have nerves going, I don't eat. That's big when I'm traveling as well. I don't eat. And so it'd be nice to have something small that I could just, you know, get some some energy or get, you know, a little bit of... They're great for that. And if you get, uh, you can put cornflakes in there or cereal, you know, like a I'm gluten-free, so I use a, a cereal called Suma cereal, and it's kind of malty, so we crunch up some of those and put that in, and it gives it a little bit more crunchy, like a little bit more malty flavor. Uh, some people put chocolate in, but I don't find that, I'm, I'm not a big fan of fruit and chocolate. Mm-hmm. But they're great. They're just like little power bombs, and yeah, I'm the same for you. I, I get nervous, it. and I can't. Mm-hmm. Those I find, because they're not, it's not massively, it's not, it's sweet, but it's not, you know, sugary sweet. You're full of just these good tips. I got a lot of a lot to write down when I go back through and edit this. I'm gonna be like make thinking all my notes. Um, of course, like, like I said before, if you, for anybody listening, I'll add I'll write those up and put those in the show notes too. That little recipe there, so <laughs> you'll have a reference there too. All right, this next little section I always like to do is called pick your poison because I mean we have gotten to know each other quite a bit, but I would like to know just something kind of random and silly about you. So I have nine different questions kind of written out, but I only need you to pick one of them. So just pick any number, one through nine. Three. Number three, speaking of food, (laughs) what did you have for breakfast today? I had gluten-free, it's almost like a German bread. It's really nice, it's kind of bitter, but I have it with raspberry jam fresh fruit raspberry jam and organic peanut butter because I'm a peanut butter and jelly kind of a girl and a very, very strong cup of Guatemalan coffee because I'm a complete coffee snob. I love I was just going to ask that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Very nice. Is that your kind of your typical go-to breakfast? Yeah, because that peanut butter is fantastic. If you you know you don't need a huge amount of it, and I'm not hungry. I that that's it. That's all I've eaten all day. I haven't eaten since nine、uh, thirty this morning, and I'm just not hungry because、oh, that just sets me up for the rest of the day. There's another one of my bad habits. I'm I'm a I'm a sugar person, so I tend to eat something sugary for breakfast, which is not a good thing because then I'm hungry again in like an hour. Well,、after. the jam is sweet, but it's it's fruit sugar jam. Mm-hmm. So it's not full of artificial sugars; it's just、uh, fruit sugar. So there is—it's sweet. That would be nice. Yeah, that's a nice thing to do. <laughs> I need to be a little better. All these things that I need to change. Well, <laughs> being sick, I made sure to improve my diet massively. Like we cook everything from scratch, pretty much, and we don't use processed foods. And I on an, I have to inject three times a week. So on injection days, I make sure I definitely have my green vegetables. So、mm-hmm. I am very very strict about that. That's one thing I've always struggled. I mean, you mentioned the diners here in the states and everything, and and we just do we have so much processed food. I know there is a lot in Europe as well, but I just find because I I live in Paris sometimes I'm kind of back and forth a little bit, and I just eat so much better when I'm over there. You know, here it's just so easy to go. You know, to the diners、yes. or to you know, and get and it's good. It tastes、oh, delicious. Yeah, your triple fried chips. Oh my god. Oh my. God. Like it's so awful, and the cereals, like this whole aisle of oh, they're so, they're so sweet. They're so sweet. There's so much sugar in your food and corn syrup in your food.、Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,、um, and it's awful. And I, and I was actually reading an article the other day, and of course, there's always a new health health theory about you know what is healthy and what's not healthy for us. But、um, it was saying that really calories are not what we should be looking at at all.、No. It's all about sugar.、Yeah. We've been lied to, and just you know they've they've diverted they you know <laughs> they have diverted our attention to focusing on calories, but it's not. It's more about sugar. I actually tried to give up、me. sugar. Because of I had dietary issues, I had、uh, irritable bowel, and they were like, "Oh yeah," and it's so hard, so hard. Sugar's in everything. Yes, yes. it was、mm. almost like I got it down, but it's just impossible. You can no longer eat out, and most、mm. things are most tin things, and most jams, and most preservative. <laughs> it's difficult. It's really, and it must、yeah. be much harder for you guys. Man, and and me, you know, I have an even sweeter tooth, I think, than most Americans. I really love sweet things, and but I think I think you made a good point with the jam. Is that I, you know, I need to start looking into sweet things that are, you know, more like a different kind of sweet instead of the processed sugar. Yeah, more natural. I still will、sweet. have a little. I'm not a saint. I will have like I <laughs> I will get good. I like dark chocolate, but I love milk chocolate. So、mm. I will have two cubes of really nice milk chocolate in the day. And、mm-hmm. you know, I can I can have a big bar of chocolate and leave it in the fridge and not eat it. If I have my two pieces of chocolate, I'm not saint. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think my mom has always said、um, everything in moderation. Yeah. Anything in moderation, and just about. I mean, there are certain things that you should probably never do, like heroin and stuff like that. Yeah. But,、um, <laughs> but you know, as far as the other things, you know, I know I could never. And I mentioned earlier, like I love milk. Milk is like my favorite thing to drink ever. And there's no way I, I know. That dairy is probably not the best for me as far as my, you know, my digestive system and all that. But there's just no way. But at least I can try to cut down a little bit. Well, I've actually just started to re-drink milk because of the calcium. I'm having problems with、uh, absorbing calcium, so I've just gone back onto full-fat milk. And oh my god, it tastes so good. <laughs> milk, milk is just amazing. I'm trying milk alternatives, and the best I've found that I like is rice milk. It's not bad, but nothing is. I mean, I just, I just love milk so much. Oh my gosh. Well, I <laughs>、so、grew up、good. on a farm for part of my life. 
yeah. and so you just just to be able to dip the can into the mm-hmm. milk vat. Oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, I'm drooling. And cheese is so. Good. I'm just, I'm just, I grew up in Wisconsin, oh. and I don't know if you know anything about the states, but that is kind of known as like the dairy, the dairy state, and oh. it's just in my blood. But <laughs> if you ever to Liverpool, I will take you to. There is um, a cheese dairy near to where I live, about twenty minutes from where I live. And all the cheeses are made with vegetarian rennet inside. So it's none of it's meat rennet. In it. so it's all vegetarian cheeses. Oh, my God. Every Christmas, we will treat ourselves to at least two cheeses each from this place and get our nice kind of like crackers and some wine. Oh, and sounds delicious. My face is just lit up right now. You should see me. I'm like, that is sold. I will come and visit you and go there. <laughs> the first time we went, I think we had, we bought about eight cheeses or oh. each. And we were like, oops. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's a little overkill, but that's probably what I would do too. <laughs> All right. Well, I know what I'm having for lunch today. That's <laughs> It's going to be cheese and milk everywhere. <laughs> All right. So next up, I always do a section called this or that. It's one of my favorite parts. I just give you two options. It's kind of quick fire and you just choose which one you prefer of those two. And I always uh, let you know that you can interpret these in any way you like. Right. So let's do it. Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, it's Starbucks. Do you guys have Dunkin' Donuts over there? I, I have eaten Dunkin' Donuts, yes. We don't have one here, but yes, they have them in London. So I, when I was a kid, okay. I have eaten them. I wasn't sure. I'm like, I don't know if that <laughs> translates, but better. Okay, quick fire, quick fire. City or country? City. Love or money? Love. Dita Von Tees or Dirty Martini? Oh, Dirty Martini. A Dirty Martini or a pint of beer? Oh, a Dirty Martini. <laughs> Day or night? Night. Harry Potter or Star Wars? Oh, God, that's hard. Uh, Star mm. Wars. Top or bottom? Top. Mountains or ocean? Ocean. Classic or neo-burlesque? Neo-burlesque. Peanut butter or jelly? Oh, peanut butter. Comedy or tragedy? Comedy, definitely. <laughs> Marvel or DC? Oh, hard, but I think Marvel's winning at the minute. They really are. They're doing a great job. <laughs> They're doing a good job. <laughs> That's so good. Sleep or sex? Oh, God. No, that is hard. Uh, this is the hardest one for everybody. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, considering I actually don't feel fatigued right now, I'm going to say sex. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that. That's that calcium and vitamin D Yay. working for you. <laughs> Heels or bare feet? Oh, bare feet. <laughs> and lastly, Paris or London? I love both those cities, but London feels that if I could have the money, I would live in London. I love London. Oh, A lot of people so... don't like it. They think it's really unfriendly, but I'm, I love I the honesty and the brashness and the mm-hmm. pace of it. And mm. I cannot wait to go back up there next week. I love it. Yeah. Like the last time I was there, I was doing the, um, the wow festival. I got asked to run a cabaret event for wow. So it was a, an event that uh, had disabled, non-disabled, different ethnicities, uh, all women, with uh, the actress Liz Carr, who's also a cabaret and comedian. And That's fantastic. We worked on it for about six months, and I was so proud of what we did. And it was just amazing because it's based in the South Bank. So you've got, you know, you're going to work and you're crossing the London Bridge and you've got the London Eye, and it's so iconic. Oh, it just felt such a wonderful thing to do to kind of be able to drive into London and know that you're putting on something in one of the biggest venues in the city. And um, mm. as we were doing it, our crowd just grew and grew and grew. And I think we had about 800 women who were just cheering and going, going for it by the end of the event. And to actually promote it, produce it, compare it, co-host it with Liz, and then also to perform at it was just amazing. 
that had to be such a fantastic experience. Oh, it was great. And Annie Lennox was in the building at the same time. So we all kept kind of like ah. trying to find Ooh. Annie Lennox's changing room backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, I mean, that's the thing about London. I mean, I've not performed there a lot, but from from the vibe I get, you know, it's just so artistic. I love Paris and there is a lot of burlesque there, but it also tends to to air more towards, you know, classical type things. You know, there's just not as much diversity there, I think. Yeah. Like I said, I love it. I do. And I think it's growing. But London, there's just something about it where I just every day I feel like I hear about more unique and amazing things that are happening there. Yeah, I would agree. I, I just adore it. And there's so many of my favorite performers are based there. And yeah, it's it's just it's a hard city to live in, but it's a fun place to live. Well, someday we should all just have like a big burly house there and we, everybody can just come and they don't have to live there all the time, but we can just come stay and just have fun and get crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, before we say goodbye, this, I mean, this has been amazing. Um, obviously, I have Diva here. So she is the queen of our burlesque big sister brother Facebook group. Um, but how do you typically stay current um, with the burlesque news? I know you guys have a great community over there in the UK. Do you kind of do you guys have a place or just on Facebook or what do you do? It's a mix, really. I think the the Big Brother and Sister group is great for bringing up new things. And also there's always every week, you know, we have new performers joining and, and they're bringing mm -hmm. their points of view. But we, you know, we have 21st Century Burlesque, which is also a really, really good resource. And I'm really lucky to have performers like Velma Von Bombom and Millie Dollar as friends who live in the same city as me. And we try and make sure to get together and talk. And I use Facebook a lot. And Instagram uh, is always making me see things and pictures and I'm like, oh, that's an interesting person or that. I think I would use the Internet mostly for for finding out my information and being inspired by people. Now, tell us about um, a couple, maybe YouTube or Vimeo, any videos that we should check out. I'll add, I'll link these up in the show notes, along with the links that we just talked about, 21st Century Burlesque and everything. Of course, the show notes for this episode will be at burlesquestripteddown.com slash diva, D-I-V-A. So we'll put these videos in there, but tell us about a couple of them, maybe one of you and then one that you just can't get enough of right now. Um, well, I think if you want to, I've got www.divahollywood.com and you Perfect. have all my, I'm keep trying to make it all my new stuff so you'll be able to see my tiger tamer act and i'm going to be uploading my new pirate act up there so there's some new videos going to be coming up there and uh i think if you can check out julie atlas muse she's the one that I've, I've got to find out the link for you and i will send it to you but i think definitely check out that lady because she inspires me and she's just genuinely wonderful so she was the one that kept me going and going, if she can do it I can do it and she's that sort of person so if you like something quirky and interesting I would definitely check out Julie Atlas Muse. Fabulous well I will put um make sure we get that one in the show notes and then if you have I don't do you have a video of your um the evolution of women? Yes I have a terrible video of it but it is up there. Well, it's, I, right. it's funny it's like one of my mostly booked acts and I've been doing it for eight years and I <laughs> I don't it happens. actually it's one, probably one of the ones I don't have a decent video of but there is a video up there so you can actually see it but uh. well after yeah after chatting about it I would love to <laughs> to link that up so we'll get that one in there for you yeah. and then you mentioned your website so for anybody who's looking to kind of uh, get in touch with you or, or find out more about you maybe book you or come to see you is that the best way to to get in touch with you or you mentioned Facebook as well uh, yeah I'm on Facebook I'm on the website is uh, divahollywood.com I'm on I'm lucky enough I got my name back so i'm eva Yay. hollywood on facebook on twitter and also on instagram 
and I am on there far too much. <laughs> oh, yes, aren't we all? The interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Those will all be linked up in the show notes page, burlesquescriptdown.com slash diva. So head over there and check that out. Diva. It has been amazing. Oh, it's been I so lovely talking to you. I have loved chatting with you. And uh, I hope you like the cookies. <laughs> oh, man. I'm gonna, I might try those I today. I feel like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all right. I like it. I like it. You're taking care of me. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I hopefully, you know, this will spread out and lots of other performers will be like, God, them two ingredient cookies, they're really good. So hopefully. Yeah, we'll make it a thing. If, you, um, if you're on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever, you should take a picture. If you're listening, take a picture of your cookies and you can hashtag it, what? Oh, yeah. Burley cookies. Let's do hashtag so, Burley cookies, shall we? That would be so we? lovely. Yeah, I like yeah, that idea. That. So that's your call to action today, everybody listening. Make these cookies. You just need banana and oats, right? Yeah, banana and oats. Mash them up in a bowl and put grease proof paper down, grease it. And I don't know if what Fahrenheit, but we use gas. So gas mark yeah. six for 20 oh, minutes. Yeah. I'll put it in golden brown. Perfect. And then take a picture, hashtag Burly Cookies. <laughs> and then we will check those out. We'll see. I get some cookies out of the deal. <laughs> Cookie photos. I love it. Thank you so much, Diva. I'm sure that you, this will not be the last time that we chat together on this podcast. Lovely talk to you. Bye. And there you have it. Diva Hollywood, a fantastic woman to get to know. I'm so glad she and her partner have really taken it on themselves. They, they've decided to create these new projects for us. Keep an eye out for um, Birdie. I will absolutely be updating our show notes page for this episode as new things come out with Birdie. Um, so you can always find that, as I've mentioned in the interview, at burlesquestripdown.com slash diva, D-I-V-A. So you'll be able to find that. Definitely head over and join up with that Facebook group, too, because we have a lot of great interactions there. Um, and of course, your most important job is to make these amazing burly cookies. Take your bananas and your oats and any other little extras and go ahead and make those. Get a nice, fabulous picture of them or yourself or of yourself eating them and hashtag it burly cookies. You can do that over on Instagram. That's where I'm at the most frequently is on Instagram. You do it on Twitter, though, as well. I'll be checking those and kind of retweeting those and posting them on our Facebook page so that all the world can get to see them. So me, I bought some bananas just yesterday, so I have to wait for them to kind of brown up a little bit. So <laughs> I'll be getting now some pictures of those up ASAP as well. So definitely hashtag Burley Cookies. Don't forget about that. I hope you loved the episode. I will be back again um, well, on Thursdays for our hot tips, of course. And then next week, I have an interview with the beautiful Lola Frost. And coming up right after that will be Professor Pinkerton. So it's really great to have gotten to talk with um, these fabulous performers. As always, I feel like I just say the same thing because everybody is just so amazing all the time. Also, please don't forget to head over to the website and um, just kind of check things out there. I do have over on the right-hand side the Leave Me a Voice Message button, and I would really love to get some more voice messages. I'd love to hear your beautiful, sexy, sultry voices and maybe even put them on an episode of the podcast as well. So just go over all you need is a computer that has a microphone in it, and you can leave up to 90 seconds of a voicemail. If you'd rather not have your voice, you can also send me an email, velvet at burlesquestripdown.com. Also do that if you have any events coming up so that I can update our event roundup page to keep um, keep everybody up to, up to date on that, on what's going on in your world. And of course, please don't forget to share this episode with your friends. Share the podcast. We want to get the word out there. If you are on iTunes or whatever your preferred um podcast listening uh, platform is, please do uh, take a second to subscribe, rate, and review. That'll really help us get the word out there. We'll come up higher in the search results as well for people that are looking for burlesque-related podcasts. So 
please take a second to do that if you have not already. If you have already, I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to head off and get some hot tea. My throat's still a little scratchy these days. Hopefully it gets better very soon. So I'm going to head off um, and enjoy. Apparently we have a tropical storm a-brewing here <laughs> in the Florida area. So everybody try to stay safe if you're in the path of that. And I will be back with you very soon. So ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned, stay safe, but also stay sexy. <laughs>